Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Prevention 365 podcast, where prevention is every day in every way. My name is Marlon Pascual. I am a community organizer with ADAP and your host today. And I have with me Paris Sanders, who is an ADAP community prevention intern from Dominguez Hills. Thank you, Paris, for being with us today. How are you? Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for being here. I'm doing great. So thank you for asking. Uh, I know today we're going to talk about National Drug and Alcohol Facts Week. Uh, it's a special week there in the, the year where we kind of talk about drug facts and, you know, geared to youth. So we have uh, some facts and questions and fun conversation today. All right. So since National Drug and Alcohol Facts Week, my first question to you, Paris, and go ahead and answer is, do you think that marijuana or cannabis is stronger today than it ever was before? Um, honestly, I would say, yeah, it may be just a bit riskier. Um, also, because you never know what marijuana can be laced with. Um, it may be in the 70s. Maybe it was just pure marijuana. But today, literally anything can happen in more known drugs are becoming hobbies at this point for people. So I would definitely agree with that question. Uh, that's a good answer. Uh, so to answer the question, marijuana and cannabis is more potent today. It is stronger than it was, let's say, from the 70s. Uh, there's numerous studies, but if, if you want to go check out um, National Institute of Drug Abuse, they have all the answers to all the questions. But yeah, marijuana is a lot stronger than it is today. And another reason is, like you said, it's laced with a, a lot of different things. So uh, I don't know about, about you, Paris, but when was the marijuana growing up or in your community? Um, as a kid, I mean, you can literally, you know, walk down the street and see someone smoking a cigarette. So it wouldn't be surprising to be at the park playing and, you know, people are sitting in their cars smoking marijuana or walking by. It literally starts off early. Yeah, I remember being a student in, in middle school and uh, an eighth grader was offering me if I wanted to smoke a joint with him and he showed me uh, his stash and another another friend asked me to hide his stash from the, he got caught or he got in trouble or something. So the stash, so that was my first introduction to marijuana was in middle school. And I saw it, like you said, down the street in school and, and different ways. Um, so how, how do you think uh, our youth are seeing marijuana? Or maybe you're, you're in college. Maybe there's a college perspective of marijuana. Um, it's easy to get. I feel like for all youth, um, they are weed shops almost at every corner and things like that. And then vape pens are sold in 7-Elevens and gas stations. And they'll hardly ever ask you if you're 21, you know? So everything is just easily accessible. Um. I know for me, I'm in college. I went to campus yesterday for the first time and I'm like walking down the hallway and I seen someone smoking a vape pen, which at this point it's become normal because they'll tell you you can't smoke inside the building. But for as far as a vape pen, we don't really consider that as like a smoking hazard in a sense. So it's it's pretty scary. Yeah, it is. And uh, with vape pens, like you can't even smell it sometimes. 
And, uh, you know, working with youth and, uh, you know, having a youth group in Inglewood and, you know, working with youth for like over 10 years in across LA County, a lot of kids have told me they, they, they see other students vaping in the bathroom on campus during class, charging their vapes during class. And it's not just a problem in one place, it's a problem across the LA County. Like you said, it's accessible. Uh, I have other youth tell me that the same way I saw marijuana in middle school, people are vaping and doing everything like that with the vaping in middle school as well. So uh, yeah, vaping has been something that's been huge that's been going on in our communities. And it's very unfortunate that it is used as a replacement for marijuana because um, I'm not sure if you get the same high or somewhere near close to that, but it is overused. You'll see people like vaping and then with as the marijuana, you have to go through steps as, you know, rolling the blunt and things like that. And then with vaping, they'll just casually walk by you and blow the smoke in your face. But then, you know, if you see someone that just got done sm smoking marijuana, we're easily like, oh, they smell just like marijuana, you know, but then with the vape, they come in all different flavors. Um, and I feel, again, that caters to the youth in the younger community, because if I can go and it's going to taste like strawberry cheesecake, it's more so like, why not? Let's see what, what's, what, uh, I'm sorry. What does it taste like? Yeah, I remember doing a community event and we brought a, a poster called Spot the Pot. So we went over like edibles and the marketing it, uh, like you said, towards the youth. And I remember I had a picture of, it was like, uh, similar to a very popular uh, cereal brand. I forget which cereal brand, but it looked almost identical. And I was saying like, hey, you know, this is the marketing. They, they use things that youth like, you know, like cereal, Pop-Tarts. And right when I said that, there was a gentleman with the shirt with the same picture on his shirt walking right next to us. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's prevalent. You know, if they're not smoking, we'll see advertisements, right? Uh, not necessarily on the shirts, but we'll see it on social media, you know, social media is so huge right now. Uh, there's a lot of uh, advertisements. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, I'm a little bit older, so maybe they're not advertising to me, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely out there. It's definitely accessible, definitely visible. And also not even just social media, there's a lot of commercials on TV um, that can easily catch one's attention and you're like, oh, maybe I should go out and try that. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so I have another question for you. Um, what percentage, and I'll give you a couple options, uh, of all, all alcohol consumed in the United States, all alcohol consumed are consumed by minors, so 12 to 20 years old. Is it 1%, 2%, 3%, or 4%? Um, I'll go with the highest, 4%. That's a correct choice. It is 4%. So according to national data and a national survey done in 2019, again, you can find it on uh, National Institute of Alcohol and Abuse and Alcoholism. 4% of all alcohol in the United States were done by minors. And another interesting fact attached to that is when these minors are consuming alcohol, right, and legally not supposed to, but when they are, 
they're binge drinking. 90% of those youth are binge drinking. So uh, you're a college student. <laughs> what have you seen uh, regarding the binge drinking and underage drinking? Um, it, for me, I just feel like we are easily overwhelmed. Um, school can be hard and you, it's easy to just turn to your friends or a college party. And then you may think like, oh, I'm just having two drinks here. But then when you look back, um, you've had five and now you're dehydrated and things like that. And I think that people don't actually know that um, ethanol is literally poisoning, if if we're being totally honest. Um, so it affects, it's not only just affecting your mind, but your body and again, alcohol is easily accessible. There's liquor stores at every corner. You can get liquor store out of the grocery store and things like that. And then as far as underage drinking, I just think that with the people you surround yourself by, again, it's easily to get alcohol. I know us college students, it's more so like I'm doing this as a stress reliever for many. I'm not necessarily doing it because I want to get drunk. Like I want my mind to get off the things that I have to do with school. So in this moment, you're going to feel that relief, but then tomorrow you're going to regret it with the hangover. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was uh, a college student not too long ago, 10 years ago. And uh, I went to UC Santa Barbara. Uh, it definitely has uh, a reputation, uh, party school, but um, I think what you said about stress reliever is correct. I understand the pressures, right? Coping with pressures and stress. Uh, there's midterms and finals. There's things that are going on back home. Uh, fin finances in colleges is very tough. So I understand, you know, coping with something, right? Your stress. But coping with alcohol, like you mentioned, definitely has some dangers to it. Yes. Um... And this can start early, like, I'm, well, I know that addictions, developing addictions start really early, but I would say that even just drinking alcohol can cause mental health disorders, um, but you can get peer pressure into drinking alcohol. So there can be like a lack of family involvement that has something to do with you drinking alcohol in college because maybe no one's telling you that they're proud of you. Like little things like that, I think that we don't really dwell on. We just more so think that we're doing it for the fun. Um, but they, there are a, entirely too many underlying factors that can affect our likelihood of developing addiction when it comes to alcohol. And I feel like blaming it on school is the easy way out because um, you may have been addicted to it and you know, and you didn't know because family history of drug addiction or alcohol addiction and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, when we're just talking, you know, we're talking facts and our experiences, but it's important to provide alternatives, right? For coping with stress. Uh, do you have any, anything you might suggest to the listeners? On how um, just self-care and more so just putting yourself first. I know that it's kind of vague to say, and a lot of people are like, oh, I wake up every day. Um, I take care of myself. That's a part of putting yourself first, but just taking maybe five minutes out the day and just reflect on the day that you're having or the day that you want to have. Um, for me in college, I always tell people I have mental health days and there are some days that I literally would not open my computer. Um, I won't do anything that's school related or anything that's going to cause me to overthink, even if it's just me laying at home my day and binge watching a TV show or 
going for a walk. I've even had mental health weeks <laughs> because I feel like they are, they're really important. And when I'm looking back and I'm able to tell myself like, okay, now I'm, I'm ready to get into this paper. I'm, I'll be able to sit down and write this paper because I'm focused and I don't have other things on my mind. So I just say, take time for yourself, put yourself first. Yeah. Uh, with self-care and thinking about yourself and taking care of yourself. Um, and that's what you mentioned it to me was do something that makes you happy, right? Self-care, I think, uh, you know, providing these alternatives to take care of yourself. And there's a lot of alternatives out there. I mean, working out, um, eating healthy can be a big one. I never really experienced any type of like college party or anything because of course I started in the middle of COVID. Um, but other than that, I just think really like communicating with people outside of the people that's in your home. I think that that makes a big difference also. And just getting to know things that's out of the ordinary and get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, uh, communication, I think, is very important. I had a homie uh, back in college that he didn't partake in uh, drinking alcohol. And I really respected that. You know, everyone, no, everyone respected that. You know, no one didn't like tease them. No one tried to like coerce them or, and, and I appreciated that from, from him. Uh, so much so that I, in past presentations, I've, I've had him and invited him, but, uh, but communicating that, right. You know, like being firm and understanding where you're coming from, right. That's self-care. All righty. I have another question. Uh, so I'm going to give you options. So you let me know A, B, C, or D. Uh, which ones are examples of prescription misuse? Is it taking medication that was not prescribed to you? Uh, is it taking more than what is prescribed to you? Or is it taking uh, a medication in another way than prescribed? Or is it just all of the above? I will go with all of the above um, because a lot of people don't understand the difference between abuse and also misuse. Um, and if the prescription wasn't prescribed to you, then more than likely, you know, you shouldn't be taking that drug. Or if it was prescribed to you and they're telling you only to take this amount of milligrams every six hours and you're doubling up, it's not going to be more effective. And I think that that's where a lot of people go wrong because it's like, okay, if I take two and they only told me to take one, then the pain's going to go away faster. And that's kind of impossible. Yeah, I know, like, uh, at least in my culture, you know, growing up and I still see it is my family members will kind of share medication. They'll complain about something similar, maybe similar symptoms. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, this worked for me, this is gonna work for you. And that is misuse, you know? Uh, Even I know for me, um, I had a toothache one time and my auntie was like, oh, you can take um, this ibuprofen. And she's like, take two of them. And I was like, I don't think, you know, two isn't gonna make, the toothache, the pain or anything go away. And then I took one and she's like, I'm telling you, well, maybe you take a BC powder or a Tylenol, which is, you know, it's still a form of ibuprofen. So I'm still getting all of these milligrams and it's not more effective at this point in my head. I'm like, I think it will become less effective because of what the bottle say. But again, in a lot of cultures, we're just taught to believe that 
if I took it and I'm okay, then you're going to be okay too. And I think, again, that's where we go wrong because we all have different bodies. Um, All of our health and underlying factors aren't the same. So what if you take something and now at this point, not even that you overdosed, you know, but another problem has occurred because you took this and you're maybe allergic to it or something like that. You just never know what may happen. Yeah. Uh, when possible, you know, consult with the doctor. Yes. Yeah, there's different circumstances. Maybe access to the doctor is available, but if you can, talk to your doctor uh, about how it affects you. Uh, how about the problems that can arise if you're sharing, you know, like, Try to reduce that misuse. And uh, speaking on prescription pills, a little bit on opioids, I know you and I are learning more about this, right? About fentanyl and these fentanyl overdoses. And a lot of times, what we're seeing across the country in middle schools and elementary schools and high schools, uh, these kids or these youth are consuming what they think are prescription drugs or what they think are, you know, uh, some type of capsule, but it's laced or it is full fentanyl and they're overdosing and dying. So what, what are your thoughts on that? I think the cheaper it is, the more powerful, the more addictive and the more dangerous. And all of those factors kind of come in when you're talking about like synthetic drug, as you said, that the fentanyl is laced or it's actually not. Um, the prescription drug because whoever made it, you know, they went out of their way to add more drugs to it. And when it comes to our youth, it's unfortunate um, because I've, you know, we've been researching and I've seen like 13 year olds have overdosed on fentanyl. And it's easy for us to be like, well, where did they get that from? You know, but I mean, TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram, it's so easy to communicate with older people and people that you think have good intentions or um, I know on one story, the girl said that she thought she was taking exa- um, Xanax for like, you know, her for her mental health. And it was unfortunate that she didn't wake up when she went to sleep. Um, but that was out of her control. Also, she didn't know. She was totally unaware. And I know that fentanyl, I believe if I'm not mistaking, um, there's an overdose every day from opioids. It's an opioid uh, epidemic. Yeah across the so we saw that in the pandemic uh lots of opioid overdose especially with fentanyl and um it's tough because i i attended a a presentation or workshop recently on fentanyl uh in the south bay here in los angeles and and one of the things they mentioned was those that are overdosing these these youth are not avid or not like uh constantly misusing drugs or abusing they're accidental like you said they they take a pill thinking it's xanax or something to deal with what they need to deal adderall or whatever right they think that it's uh, addressing a different need but they're getting off these drug dealers that are using snapchat instagram to come sell them the drugs so um it's important to to kind of educate our youth about those dangers, educate our parents on what's going on, you know, and other stakeholders in our community because it's, it's scary, you know, to be honest. Or even for the youth to just know um, 
what a fake pill may look like. I think that that's very important also because a lot of times when they're taking these drugs, they don't actually know what the pharmaceutical phenol look alike versus the synthetic. It may be a different color. It may have a different engravement, you know, on each side of the pills. The numbers may be different. Um, and those are a lot of things that I constantly seen come up where in a lot of articles, they like, well, it didn't even look like a fentanyl pill. But I mean, at 13, 14 years old, you really don't know. You're just kind of going with the hype and maybe your friends took it the day before. Um, so it's like, let me take one today or you guys are all at school taking them together. Yeah. And um, you have to know where it comes from. And I, I think it goes back to what we started with is consult with uh, the, the person that's going to give it to you, a doctor, right? Yes. <laughs> take this medication. And uh, as much as you know, I trust my tia or my aunt to give me something that, you know, for my pain or whatever. She's not a doctor, right? Or my friend uh, who says, get some Xanax pills and it's going to help me out. He's not a doctor. So uh, that's important to empower our youth, like you said, to know what's the difference, to know how to take care of yourself is important. And I think that's why we have National Drug and Alcohol Facts Week. It's a uh, prevention week, prevention messages. Uh, we don't want to see any more overdoses, right? Or, or any more uh, youth that become, uh, that have a substance abuse disorder growing up. And I think that's why it's important to have conversations like sharing our experiences, uh, what, we, what we see in school uh, from a perspective of, of a young person, uh, from an adult. So I thank you, Paris. Uh, I don't know if you have any final thoughts you'd like to share. Before we start wrapping this up. For me, my final thoughts would just be since we focus so much on alcohol um, and drug addiction, just be mindful um, when you see certain signs of an overdose. Um, recognizing these signs can be something small, such as choking, you know, falling asleep, talking very slow. Um, constricted pupils, your color, your skin, but I want everyone to literally, when you see someone overdosing, call 911 and just try to keep the person awake and breathing. I think that that's important too, because often we're in shock and we don't know what to do. And it's more so like, you know, of course call 911, but in that moment, don't let them, I mean, dehydrate them and things like that. I think that's very important. You're sharing that Paris. Uh knowing the symptoms and what to look out for. So some resources from the top of my head uh, to share with the, the community listening in right now is uh, the questions that we got uh, for today and their answers and other information like symptoms that we'll look out for, you can see at drugabuse.gov. Uh, other things here in LA County is the County uh, Department of Public Health, Substance Abuse Prevention and Control. And of course, ADAC, uh, Asian American Drug Abuse Program, uh, look up uh, our adapinc.org and you see the different services across the different spectrums. Prevention, early intervention, uh, treatment, mental health counseling, residential centers, and everything in between. So uh, we're, we're here to serve the community. And I we thank everyone for listening today. Uh, uh, prevention 365, where prevention is every day and every way. Take thank you, Marlon. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.